the Gregorian calendar you think you're following is a multiple calendar. Oh, really? Yeah. And so, so the, there's wow. not there's number patterns um, in the Book of Mormon. Is I actually discovered that the Nephite number system is preferentially using the sacred numbers, the Hebrew sacred numbers, and the Mesoamerican sacred numbers. They really put a yeah. big stock in these sacred numbers and what they yeah. meant. And the Hebrews did too. Spending money like I just got paid. Hundred dollar bills, tell them keep the change. Come on. Mormon's birth year, actually, it was on a Jubilee year. And I'll show this in, when I do the kick. Yeah, pop a bottle about to make it rain. Let me give you something now to celebrate. Come on. There's actually a Jubilee calendar running in the Book of Mormon too. I show that. And if you're wondering why I move the way I do. I just feel so good. So I know I know Mormon's birth year. I calculated it exactly. So I looked it up that year. There was actually a lunar eclipse on the vernal equinox that year. So I actually think he was probably born on that day. Which is Whoa. one reason which is one reason why all these guys would have followed him and were not right. even Christian at all. The following is an episode of Ward Radio and does not represent the thoughts or the opinions of KHTS, its owners, or any of its affiliates, nor does it represent the official opinion of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. With that said, sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Ward Radio. I'm your host, Cardinalis. Today, I'm joined in the studio by Ed Thomas, as well as Jerry Grover, who just wrote the really cool book. We've been talking about calendars and chronology of the Book of Mormon. Now, in uh, our recent um, radio segment, okay, in uh, the second half of our last hour of our radio segment, you mentioned that anti-Mormons will come at the Book of Mormon saying, hey, the calendars don't add up. You know, uh, Lehi and Nephi said they left Jerusalem 600 years before Christ, but it looks like it was 500 something. Samuel the Lamanite says, oh, the destruction of the empire will happen four years from now. It really happens 300 and something. And you surmised that they had to have been on a lunar calendar of 354 days instead of a solar calendar of 365.25 days. Okay. And when you apply... Um, the lunar calendar to these prophecies that all of a sudden all of the math adds up. And you mentioned those two, two specific prophecies and so on and so forth. Are there any other phenomena in the Book of Mormon that um, critics of the book will criticize that can be explained by this lunar calendar as well? Are there any other uh, prophecies people have thought were debunked because the solar math didn't add up, but the lunar math before, as the Book of Mormon says, they changed their reckoning of time? Like, is there anything else that we didn't get in that last segment that um, has to do with the Nephites, the Lehites, and the Lamanites being on a lunar calendar instead of a solar? I don't know that it goes to the debunking, meaning I think I... I've kind of uh, number, explained, number, not debunked. Number one, yeah. a lot of the arguments against the Book of Mormon are so unsophisticated they haven't even asked certain questions. Okay, <laughs> that maybe yeah. they could have if they thought hard enough. Right. Actually, right. I've, I've noticed that as well. I've thought, <laughs> so, man, with my knowledge of church history, like if I were coming at the Mormon Church, like I wouldn't be doing these like old, tired, like Solomon Spalding manuscript things. Yeah, I'd be like going after X Y Z thing on Brigham Young or whatever. But anyway, yeah, because see me, I'm I'm not X or believing, but it's like, oh, that's a, something in the Book of Mormon I 
seems to not make sense, right? So I go, I, I do my research kind of based on my own questions. Right. When yes. anti-Mormons get past uh, addition and subtraction, they start calling it mental gymnastics. Yeah. I go, <laughs> okay. You're a savage, Ed. You're a savage. Anyway, keep going, Jay. Yeah. Keep so, going. So there's another interesting thing that um, comes out of, um, it's kind of the character's document, but but it, it applies to your accounts in the Book of Mormon, is I actually discovered that the Nephite number system is preferentially using the sacred numbers, the Hebrew sacred numbers, and the Mesoamerican sacred numbers. Mm-hmm. Five, seven, ten for the Hebrew, and then nine, which is the number of death in, in Mesoamerica, 13, 19, and 20. They're all, they all deal with lunations of the moon. 19 is the metonic um, cycle, which is when the lunar and the solar calendars co- re-coincide every 19 years. So this is known in the old world, too. This mm-hmm. so, so it's interesting because... I thought, you know, I'm, the number system's that way. I'm seeing that in the character's document. I go, I wonder if I can find this in the Book of Mormon. Now, I don't have the underlying glyphs to tell, because the way they did it, they would add up these numbers. So yeah, so they would have like 53 would be 40, which is a multiple of 20 plus 13 makes 53. That's yeah. why I figured it out. I was like, why the frick are they doing that? Yeah. It's like when I figured out, oh, they're using, at least it has a multiple or additive of the of sacred number. Well, if you take the, in Fourth Nephi, it's kind of weird, right? Because it's like, he's doing these year counts. The fifty-first year, then they says the fifty-ninth or something. It's like, why, why is he including these now? That now the anti-Mormons have basically said, "Hey, why is why is he if the if the plates are at such a premium of space? Why is he like identifying years not only there but other places where nothing's happening?" He just says a twenty-third year, the twenty-fourth year, twenty-fifth year passed. Not nothing happened, so why is yeah. he even bothering? And but if you actually take in the Maya in their codexes. In their divinatory codexes, they were big on on intervals. And their intervals, when they would list all their year counts and everything, so they would have intervals that matched their sacred numbers. And the kings would want to be born. They would fudge it, right, so the king could be (laughs) born on a sacred number. Right, so again. I was born on the 4th of July. (laughs) Exactly. So so, so they figured that was happening. So Because they really put a big stock in these sacred numbers and what they meant. And the Hebrews did too. I mean, if you look at the temples, like the ten cubits, the ten curtains, the ten, you know, they had their five. And the five, you know, is uh, seven, obviously. Uh, the five Pentateuch, and then the seven is mm-hmm. the Sabbath, and and so I actually laid that out, fourth Nephi, and those intervals, and th- there are intervals of all the sacred numbers in those year counts. Interesting. And so, then, and then I did it for the rest of the Book of Mormon, and you see it there too. Except the small plates, the small plates, you only have the Hebrew ones, really, until the very end. So I can actually show a number pattern. And the original chapters feature the same thing, the number of chapters in a book. Not the chapters we have now. I'm talking the original text chapters because okay. it's different. You know, they, they've done different chapters. It's not what was on, you know, the 1830 edition has different chapters. So anyway, so that's kind of interesting. Then I says, I take a look at Ether because that's another question I've always had at Ether. It's like, why in the heck is he just giving us – Oh, this king lives so long, right? Yeah. And why is he not saying it for every king? And just and if you take all of those, they all have the same feature. They're all mm-hmm. either additive uh, or multiples of sacred. Well, numbers. yeah. So go into more detail. Uh, how? What's an example? Well, you can actually see nine, for example, um, which is kind of the number of deaths. So you have nine moons. Coriander died. Okay. Nine years, Nephi had disappeared, then considered dead or lost. You have 
you have the disciples that are told they're going to die after 72 years in 70 when they're 72 weird right oh but yeah. that's a multiple of nine yeah and so and you also have the number 24 which is also um an interesting number in the book of mormon because it's the 24 plates it, it basically is prescribing founding or destruction so you have the 24 plates which represents the destruction of the jaredites right why do they care about there's 24? They don't tell you how many <laughs> plates mm-hmm. are in the <laughs> yeah. in the brass plates or something. It's like something, you know, why do they say that? Because it means something. And then also the 72 is also a multiple of 24. Yeah, exactly. And and then you have brother of Jared, Jared, 22 friends hmm. and their families, 24. Oh, have, interesting. You have Oriha, yeah. Oriha, the first king of the Jaredites, 24 sons if you count them all. So there's that's the number thing. And and, and at, at the at the last battle, right? There's probably they name 23 battle groups and then they have one where they that were all killed. And then they don't mention a battle group, but they says these people fled to the south, right? So there was a probably an additional battle group, 24. Yeah. And then the last day, right? There's Mormon Moroni, there's 24. Right? They he says there are 24 you know, before they were all finally. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, there's wow. not, there's number patterns um, in the book of Mormon. It's interesting because one of and the, and you think that's from the ancient Hebrew or the ancient Mayan, which one I, think, was... I think 24 is probably their, their own in a way. Cause I don't necessarily see that in Mesoamerica. So that's, I'm just saying that's a number that is that they may have had their own unique had meaning because there's 12, 12, you know, twelve yeah, times might, two is twenty-four. Okay. I mean, yeah, wow. so, so there's reasons for mm-hmm. why I would see that that is. It's interesting because one of the famous ex-Mormon guys is podcasting. He actually wrote an article on the number seven when he was not when he was an LDS apologist and actually cited it in my book. So really? he, he actually recognized that that they, you know that there was a number seven um, featured wow. in the Book of Mormon. Something. So this isn't right. you, you know and. and and what I'm saying is there is a whole underlying pattern that we maybe not be seeing. I mean, this was really a divinatory codex for Mormon. He was writing it after the fashion um, of the Mesoamerican codexes. And in fact, like in the characters document, you know, because there's like the number nine. What's, right a, what, what's a divinatory codex? For those that don't know exactly well, what that specialty yeah, I, term means. Okay, it's not exactly like the the Mesoamer- like we find, but they would have a codex, and then they would have all of these numbers and dates and things, and then they would predict. They would give names to the children based on – they would look at their – kind of astrology, if you want yeah. to call it that. or Whether they're going to be a Taurus or a Scorpio. Uh, yeah, and, and, so and they would predict so what the kid's life was going to be like or can they – you know – um, if you're going to be healed, you, you're looking in this mm-hmm. codex, and we don't really know all the because unfortunately they mostly got burned. Yeah, you know we have, um, but we know their codexes, like the Dresden Codex, has the Venus cycles in it. I mean, meaning they have a lot of numbers and astronomical stuff in these what we call divinatory mm-hmm. codexes because they're trying to predict things, right? Okay, they use just like 
Yeah. It's, it's like, like astrologers do now, but they were actually way more sophisticated mm -hmm. than any of the astrologers there are now. Oh, you don't yeah. get your astrology from the third page of the newspaper? <laughs> um, oh, okay, because that's where I get mine. And yeah. I'll tell you, Lady uh, Janet McGrayskull is really good at telling me whether my day is going to be good or bad. Same with the fortune cookies. Yeah. So, well, anyway. no, I, I get pretty much all my information off podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a that's a very good place to start. That's a very good place to start. So um, academic only academic grade yeah. podcast. Hey, so <laughs> yes. on, on these on these numbers, uh, just to make it clear for me, uh, is that a uh, a hard fact that these numbers happened in history, or the authors kind of tried to squeeze facts into this numerology? Well, and see, that's the interesting thing is. They are some heart, heart, meaning they had their sacred numbers right. because of the lunation. I mean, they represented certain things and also in their gods and stuff like that, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, some, I'm not saying Mormons did that, but, right, but it's right. pretty clear Mormon is like when he's talking about like the third Nephi destruction. He's pretty clear he's trying to fit in everything that Zenus prophesied. Know, the smoke, the thunder, which lightning. is a ton of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What I'm saying, is he's not making it up, but he's obviously giving a description, making sure that right. he's showing. In fact, that's one thing I actually premise in this book. I go through the epistles, the chronology of the epistles, because they're not really tied in very well, right? We don't okay, know. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but one thing is, it's like, well, well, he has a. Why did Moroni put in, you know, where it talks about the, um, you know, the all the people you know, the horrific things happening because because Mormon said he's not going to talk about that, right? He wasn't right. going to expound yeah. it. But it does mention famine there, which was one of the things in the prophecy, the Samuel Lamech prophecy, that really doesn't talked about by Mormon prior to that point. So I think maybe one of the reasons that was inserted was to actually okay. complete show that that prophecy was completed. Right. Okay, and so I'm, right. I, I'm looking at the – I'm looking just at the table of contents of your book, and it's blowing my mind. You literally have chapter two calendars, subcalendars, and pertinent time points and periods in the Book of Mormon. And first one, Lehi's departure calendar. Second one, one thousand year calendars. Jubilee festival year count. Yeah, that's another one I haven't talked about. It's a jubilee and, calendar. You want to talk about that one? Yeah, and relation to one of the hundred year. Yeah. So how does this? You explain that a lunar calendar with three hundred fifty four days could explain why there was the shortness in date on Lehi's. Uh, prophecy if we're thinking in the Gregorian calendar context of modern America. Mm -hmm. And that would also explain why maybe in 380 some odd years, uh, Samuel's prophecy came true when in reality it was supposed to have been 400 years. It seems like all of these prophecies come true at um, kind of a shorter interval than expected, but that's because we're using a Gregorian solar calendar. They could have been using a uh, lunar calendar. Yet you talk well, well, about well, let me a let me Jubilee calendar and a thousand year calendar here. What's that, man? Okay, well, let me tell you that the Gregorian calendar you think you're following is a multiple calendar. Oh, really? Oh, because it's got the quarter day, no, right? No. No? Oh, okay. There's three separate calendars there. Really? There's a solar calendar, right? Okay. There's what I call a fossilized lunar calendar. That's oh. the months, okay? Okay. We still follow a little bit of the lunar, like like Easter, okay? Right. Easter's not dependent on the day of the solar calendar, right? It's okay, what, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's the first after 
a full moon, right? So, right. so it's and that's why I call it a fossilized lunar calendar. It's still kind of there. We don't really follow it. It just got frozen, and then we use those months and shove them into the solar calendar. Yeah. The weeks is a separate calendar completely. It does not correlate with the solar calendar at all, meaning it runs, right? Oh, does, yeah. Does the it, weeks, do you change it? That's do, do you give yeah, two we, Sundays if it doesn't right. match right? No. Right. Yeah, we don't, we don't realize it, but we're actually doing multiple calendars. We think of them as one because we're just, okay, here's my yeah, calendar, yeah, here's right. my phone, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, it's that that one is a religious calendar that runs separate. Whether it's January 1st or, or not, it's a Wednesday. And in one week, whether it's January, February, March, or April, right. I will meet you here at this spot at this time. And regardless of what the month says, in a week, you got to pay me. Uh, like, I, yep. yeah, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. And see, like in Mesoamerica, like... Take the Olmec Jaredites, for example. We don't, they don't have a year count like the rest of the Book of Mormon, right? Yeah. And it's because they were following, and, and you also have somebody living way too long, like I can't, Coriantor is like 145 or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like they were using the 270 day calendar. And if you use that, the numbers all, mm-hmm. meaning the ages work perfect, meaning. Yeah. So, so they even have their own calendar right interesting <laughs> so, so you okay. have multiple calendars which is total mesomeric. the only calendar i reject is the one during the french revolution that one <laughs> just seemed absolutely bonkers and super confusing but uh, i'm down with the solar calendar it would make the watches a lot cooler well that's like, a, that's, a, <laughs> that's the same reason i you know they have a do in the book of Mormon, which bothers me because because i know god would never speak french <laughs> oh i do oh that's funny that's hilarious that is hilarious okay so um keep going yeah. so we practice yeah, so already a tripartite calendar ourselves that's we gregorian. Even, yeah, but you don't think about it right okay yeah. these cultures mm-hmm. were they were just running these calendars and that's the way things mm-hmm. were there's also the hebrews had a jubilee calendar which is every 49 years. So they have seven, they'd have a Sabbath year, seven years, and seven times seven is 49. And then they would have an extra year. They would do certain things. They would free all the captives. They would put the land in fallow. They wouldn't farm. Right. Um, and these things. So there's actually a Jubilee calendar running in the Book of Mormon, too. I show that. Uh, wow. Somebody okay. else had identified that the King Benjamin speech was pro- has Jubilee themes in it. The character's document actually showed two Jubilee glyphs, right? And one was the Gadianton Siege, which if you look at it, they were doing all that. They were praising God. They let free captives. You know, they kind of forgave them. Okay, yeah. And, and so, and that calendar, actually, I show there's like a thousand-year calendar running. And the, But the base of the Jubilee calendar, interestingly enough, this is and addresses one other issue in the Book of Mormon, is that it starts when um, – Lehi came out of Jerusalem for his prophetic calling. Yeah. Because because the problem is, is like in the third Nephi preface, it says the first year of Zedekiah, you know, and, and it says Lehi came out. No, it's not departure. It came out. But I'm sure that's referring to the initial when he – and that was a jubilee year probably. They weren't really celebrating them at that point in time in in, in Israel but they would go to their land of inheritance. That was part of the Jubilee um, as, as you would go to your land of inheritance. And so he yeah. goes out, you know, um, and sees a fire, um, pillar fire in the rock, which incidentally the land of Manassas has a very small 
volcanic field there. <laughs> so, oh, really? Yeah. So that's explained there. Wait. You so you think? <laughs> wait. Hold on a second. You think the pillar of fire that Lehi saw in the first two chapters of the Book of Mormon was actually a volcanic eruption that exists in what would have been Lehi's tribal land? Yeah. Not really a major eruption. Just a small like event or something like that, right? Because it's not. It didn't burn him up. <laughs> wow. Okay. But so I'm saying these theophanies are related to volcanic, like Sinai. They propose pillar of fire by night, pillar of smoke by day, thunder, mm-hmm. God spoke from a cloud. So not me. There's okay. other scientists that said, you know, Sinai looks like a volcano, and there is mm-hmm. one in Arabia that fits the bill perfectly. And so that's another that's right. another radio program we got to do, man. Yeah, that's right. crazy. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, so there's this jubilee calendar that's running, also underlying, and. Mormon's birth year actually was on a jubilee year, and I'll show this in when I do the characters. Is that glyph form um, actually means jubilee in Egyptian? So of his name, which we know was translated by Joseph. Is that is <laughs> so, that on is that on this uh, PowerPoint presentation yep. that you emailed me? Uh-huh. So where's this jubilee glyph form? What what uh, slide is it? Okay. For any of you guys that are listening on the radio, you got to check us out at wardradio.com. I put it last because it's- Where you can see a YouTube version. Oh, okay, start at 41. Okay, of of what we're doing right now. There's actually a PowerPoint presentation we're going to be pulling up. You're going to have to describe it for our uh, audio listeners. It's kind of a, an S form, kind of curly Q S is what, yeah. what it looks like. And what we have is- how much do you want to get into it? I don't know. Uh, d- dive right in, bro. Okay. Because this right is in. this is probably more one of my characters. I wasn't going to dive in every character, you know. But well, just explain this one, okay. and then we'll save the rest for the characters document. Uh, okay. So this is not this glyph did not come from the characters document. There is actually um, a document that uh, it's called the Frederick G. Williams characters document. On the verso side, there's um, uh, a list that identifies four characters, Reformed Egyptian characters, then gives a translation, Book of Mormon and Interpreters of Languages. Oliver Cowdery, there's also a strip, uh, a little scrap of paper that Oliver Cowdery in his in his writing has the same thing. So presumably maybe Frederick Williams is copying it right. off Oliver Cowdery. So it was one, and Joseph Smith said he, con- he actually translated some individual characters initially, which that's kind of funny. I'm just a little bit of a tangent, but you know, I didn't take seminary, right? So I didn't give I didn't give the church a chance to lie to me, right? Uh, <laughs> so, you mean, which is a common which yeah. is a common accusation? Yeah, yeah people. Are, it's like my kids, dad, seminary, dad, yeah. the church did, lied to me. I'm like, well, I didn't even give them a chance. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, savage. But 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 the the reality is is that like these pictures, they all they all got you know all butt hurt or whatever you want to call it, uh, you know about okay, yeah, the, the, maybe I don't know if that's it. No, that's fine. Okay. This is Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, keep going. And I, and I grew up in Spanish Fork where, you know, we didn't use the word manure ever. It was some different term. So. Okay. okay, that's <laughs> but, fine. But, but basically, um, you know, it shows Joseph Smith actually, like, looking at the plates and translating off of them. It was like, that actually happened. That was the first part, right? He wasn't using the hat initially or anything. Mm-hmm. So when people say, oh, that's a lie, it's like, no, that was actually an accurate depiction of one point of translation, mm-hmm. right? Where he was actually yeah. did some. And so I don't know. I just, it's interesting. Kind mm-hmm. of so, so anyway, go back to, so, we, we only got like another two minutes here. Okay. Go back to explaining this glyph. So, yeah. So, so it's a curly Q kind of looking glyph. And I kind of show in the Egyptian. Um, is it this CP glyph that I see on the screen where it's like a, a curly Q C that forms the top of a common P? And then the roller skater. Is that it? Uh, on 41. Are you on 41? Yeah, I'm on 41. So, yeah, look at that. Yeah, the kind of a 
little S shape, sideways S shape. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So in the Egyptian, I kind of show it's uh, a V12 is the gardener designation, but in hieratic, you can see on the right side there. Okay, yeah. It, it is uh, uh, the same form. And it actually in Egyptian means bind. It also uh, can mean constitutes the simplest form of the last or the end to be wise. Uh, it also has to do with in Egyptian words dealing with records or um, ritual book. <laughs> yeah. So it's actually matching Mormon, just mm-hmm. what he's doing pretty well, right? In Mesoamerica, it also, you see this lazy S motif in Mesoamerica as well. Um, and it means um, it has to do with water. Um, as you know, the waters of Mormon. So there, there, there's other correlations there. The blood scroll, it's also considered a blood scroll. Um, but uh, it's kind of interesting uh, that it has these correlations. It also correlates to wild beasts um, as well. But it's also a period-ending or vernal equinox cliff. So I know I know Mormon's birth year. I can calculate it exactly. So I looked it up that year. There was actually a lunar eclipse on the vernal equinox that year. So I actually think he was probably born on that day, which is Whoa. one reason. Which is one reason why all these guys would have followed him that were not right. even Christian at all. He had he had an astronomical sign. He's power the man, to, right? Yeah. So, so it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see the actual Mesoamerican correlation to it, and so. Wow. Wow. Okay. And Moroni so, has a flip glyph that also means an equinox. And as, of course, you know, that's when he appeared to Joseph Smith. Mm-hmm. So anyway, these are that, for, for, for Cardin and his weird, you know, fascination with astronomical stuff. This, yeah, this no, is th- kind of like, this, down, is, this is his total bailiwick. This, yeah, my total bailiwick. <laughs> I absolutely love that word, bailiwick. Okay. So you have now walked us through. The solar and the lunar calendars, the tripartite calendar that is the Gregorian, and then uh, basically shown evidence that there was a Jubilee calendar in the Book of Mormon that simultaneously operated with both Mayan and Hebrew undertones um, focused around their very specific and unique numbers of 1, 5, 7, 12, 24, and the 9 being symbolic of death, so on and so forth. And with that, you've been able to even calculate when Moroni would have, no, when Mormon would have been born, who was the famous general who ended up, you yeah. know, leading all of the different armies towards the end and finally translated or compiled, better said, the the golden plates that Joseph Smith would later translate and would later become the Book of Mormon. This, I feel like I've drank from a fire hose and all of this you say is in this book and I've been burning through this and I have never been more excited to read a book since Don Bradley's Lost 116 Pages than I am this book. The title of the book is very simple. It's just Calendars and Chronology of the Book of Mormon by Jerry D. Grover Jr. P.E. Dash PG. Before we go, where can people find you if they want to find you, if they want to reach out, if they want to talk really fast? How can people find you? Uh, if you go to my website, it's www.bmslr.org. And in the click down menu on the right at the bottom, it says contact. It'll go to my email 
So it doesn't get my email, but it goes goes to directly to my email. Okay, there it is. Uh, BMSLR.org. If you guys want to reach out to Jerry Grover, he's, he's ready to rumble. He's available. and as, I always respond. I always respond. So. Okay, awesome. Great. Uh, we won't test that theory. But <laughs> anyway, um, this has been beyond real. It's been beyond awesome. And it's been real awesome for this and more. Guys, please check us out at Ward Radio. I just feel so good, good, good. Oh, I just feel so good. Hey, guys, thanks for watching the video. Before you go, please make sure that you like the video, share it with your friends, and if you haven't subscribed yet, please let this be the video in which we earn your subscription and that you press the alert button so you're alerted to all of our fun live streams and standalone videos and community posts. Also, if you'd like to help us out, please consider joining the channel. Members get all kinds of cool perks and benefits. They get early access to a lot of our videos and special emoticons and emojis during our live streams and preferential treatment there. It's a lot of fun. Speaking of a lot of fun, we have a super cool Discord. If you'd like to join our Discord, check us out on wardradio.com. There's a link to the Discord there. Also, you can sign up there for our newsletter. Our newsletter is a lot of fun, and you can put your email address in there. And if you'd like to contribute to the program, please consider looking us up on Venmo or on the Cash app. We're on both of those platforms. Also, if you just want to keep watching more content, right about here and probably right about here are going to be some more videos. Please check those out. And as always, for this and more, Please make sure that you look us up and check us out at wardradio.com.